Have you ever jumped to a conclusion and then later realized you didn't have the full story? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I want you to know that whatever you see, there's always a backstory to it. There's probably more than meets the eye. And just what we see with the eye and conclude or even jump to conclusions is not wise. It's not, simply not wise to make an observation, jump to a conclusion, and then form all of your opinions because of the conclusion you just jumped to because you assumed something because you saw something. It's just not wise. It's not wise in any relationship. It's not wise for you to do it, and you definitely don't like it when people do it to you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. Maybe you've had some things that were said about you that were just not right or fair. Whether it's in the form of gossip or slander, it can be downright hurtful. But you're in good company because the Apostle Paul and even Jesus faced false accusations and criticism. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will point to one such occasion in Paul's life. And we'll hear him answer a couple of the charges. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we left off at verse 12. In chapter 1, Paul introduces the church in Corinth to the God of all comfort. That's what we looked at last time. He said in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. What's interesting to me is chapter 1 is written to the church in Corinth from a man, Pastor Paul, who's going through it himself. Not only is he going through it himself, but what he's going through in the tribulation he's experiencing has everything to do with the church in Corinth. They're a big part of it. So they're causing this pain and issue in his heart, and instead of retaliating, instead of going after them, instead of rebuking them for it, he introduces them through his own comfort to the God of all comfort. And builds a bridge with them, wanting to encourage them and remind them of his love. As Paul is going through it, it's very hard for him. He has his own stuff going on, plus he's got the stuff from the church going on, and he's just encouraging, giving them the truth. And let's pick up where we left off in verse 12 now. He says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you. We were not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust that you will understand, even to the end, as you also have understood us in part, that we are your boast, as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. After sharing how stretched Paul really is, he goes simple on them. He goes back to the place where he says, you know, our conscience is clear, and you guys know this, that we've conducted ourselves, and you might want to mark this. We conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity 
and godly sincerity. Two things that will get you and me through just about any tough time, especially when rumors and accusations and things come. When we're misunderstood or people say things as Paul's going through. He says, when it, when it all comes down to it, I lived a simple life. I lived a life of sincerity and I, I lived with a clean conscience. Sometimes that's all you have. I mean, imagine what life would be like if Paul was just playing a game in the city of Corinth for the 18 months he was there. That he was really just taking advantage of them. He was really just wanting to use them and hurt them. And then they come back with him with all these accusations. He couldn't say, you know, hey, you know that I lived in godly sincerity. You know that we, you know us. He couldn't even say that with a clean conscience. He would be in great turmoil. But that's not, that's not the life that he chose to live. He chose to live a life in simplicity and godly sincerity. Those are two things that cut through all kinds of religious nonsense and religiosity that poses as true relationship with Jesus. How can you tell the difference? How can you tell the difference between somebody by what they say? You know, you have two people that say, oh, I love God, I love God. Here's how you can tell the difference of which one is really telling you the truth. Simplicity and godly sincerity. You'll see it in their lives. There's just a simplicity about them that it's really all about Jesus in their life. There is a sincerity and a trustworthiness in their lives. It seems as if that's all they're into is Jesus. All they're into is the simplicity of the gospel. They're not into you knowing how smart they are. They're not really interested in making sure. And I don't know if you've met people like this. I certainly have where I, I have talked to them and you know, been around them. And it seems like they just want to make sure as they leave that they, they want me to know that they're smarter than me. And they just want to make sure that's a point. They want to make that point and drive that point home. And I, I just look and I go, man, where's the simplicity in their lives? Where's the sincerity? Where is it in their lives? And for you personally, only you can really answer whether you have a clean conscience or not. Only you and I, for our own lives, are able to say, you know, my conscience is clean. You can say what you say and you can think what you think, but my conscience is clean. Religion and those that are caught up in religion and facades have a tendency to complicate things. Religion itself adds layer after layer after layer after layer over relationship. And so you're always worried about the layers and you're not really worried about that simplicity of just hanging out with Jesus and enjoying him. Simple. The believers in Corinth were used to this. They were used to so many taking advantage of them, manipulating them, that when Paul came to town... He was different. He didn't take from them. He just gave. He didn't want to take advantage of them. He would rather be taken advantage of for the sake of their salvation. Remember the church in Corinth was filled with a, well, it's very much like our church, just a lot of people that had some really serious backgrounds in their life. These guys were hardcore pagans. That's all they were into was idol worship and all the the ugliness of what went with such a a city that's just filled with aristocracy and wisdom and knowledge and sexual sin. And and, and Paul would say, such were some of you. And he came, the only thing that cut through that stuff was like, man, this guy's for real. It's good to be surrounded with people. You just say, you know, this dude's for real. It's just who he is. You don't have to guess. You don't have to try to figure him out. She just is who she is. She loves the Lord. She lives a simple life uncomplicated by religion and manipulation and control. I don't know about you, but I don't like being manipulated. It leaves a bad taste in my stomach and my mouth. It just like leaves my stomach all turning. I don't like to be manipulated. I especially don't like to be manipulated when I don't see it. When I'm at the end going, whoa, 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 that, wait a minute, what just happened here? And I especially don't like to be manipulated religiously. 
in the name of God. It's just so much easier to live your life simply in godly sincerity. And if you like to, for you guys that love math, you can just say this, simplicity plus godly sincerity equals a clean conscience. That's how it works. And without a clean conscience, you're not going to be able to live either. Let me show you a little bit what simplicity looks like in light of a church. Go back to Acts chapter 2 with me for a moment. So much in the believer's life is very simple. So much of our relationship with Jesus is simple. It's not hard. I know there are difficult times and I know there are trials and I know we need to learn how to lean on the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. But our relationship's very simple. In Acts chapter 2, we see the, the foundation of the early church and it was really simple for them. It says in verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And here's what the church did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And continuing daily with one accord, that talks about unity, that one accord, in unity of the, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily who were being saved. It's just real simple, isn't it? There's no programs, there's not a lot of activity, not a lot of things that are driven from the church, just a bunch of people that love Jesus, hanging out, talking about Jesus, serving one another, loving one another, caring about one another. It's just simple things, just so simple. It's not hard. And Paul, he lived that out as he went around planning churches, so simple. Keep it simple. I mean, you can actually, tonight, you can leave today and and pray about where there are things that are just complicated in your life. They're just so complicated. Layer after layer of whatever it is that's clouding you from really enjoying Jesus. Enjoying the fact that you're saved. That it's really good that you know him and you can understand him. And that he reveals himself to you. And all the neat things that a new believer is all excited about. Somebody gets saved tonight, they're going to walk out just so in love with Jesus. They don't, they don't even know the language yet. They don't even know what to worry about yet. They're so excited about what God's doing in their life so good to come back to simplicity it was by the grace of God that the Corinthians were able to see and experience it through the life of Paul Paul's now again he's getting personal he's going to start to semi defend himself and remind them of the truth and that's what he does beginning here in chapter one he's reminding them of the truth and the thing that he calls to mind right away is hey you know how we lived our lives very simple We didn't manipulate you. We didn't take advantage of you. We didn't want anything from you. We just wanted to keep it simple. And this is our boasting. If we're going to boast, because those that were coming against Paul, they had their boasting, boasting in their knowledge and boasting in, you know, where's Paul? He doesn't even keep his promises. He doesn't, all the things that he didn't do or all the things that could be misunderstood. But for Paul, he says, if we're going to boast, remember, we we just live simple lives. I'm not writing any other things, he says, verse 13, that you guys don't already know. This is all for your benefit. And we're boasting in one another because of relationship. That's a thing that we, this is something we try to do here at Calvary to keep things simple. As simple as possible. And if something is already simple, we're going to pray about making it easier and simpler. And by far, 
It's interesting to me that one of the most common complaints that I see or I receive an email on or I got a voicemail, one of the most common things that people complain about is how simple things are here. You know, it's just too simple. All right. That's a good thing. You want to email me today and complain about that? Please do. Because that means we're right on target. We want to keep things simple. You know, the church we came from had such and such and such and such and such. And I'm like, wow. God bless them. We don't do that here. It's just simple. Well, Ed, you know, we really should start a ministry. Okay. And, you know, we should just go feed the homeless. Really? I give you permission. Go feed the homeless. In Jesus' name. No, 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 Ed. No, no, no. That's not what I was asking. I was asking you to start a ministry. Get the people together. Make an announcement. No, no, no. It's much simpler than that. God's put a burden on your heart to go feed the homeless. Go, go buy some bread at Safeway right after service. Slap some peanut butter on it. Go down to 16th Street Mall and minister to those people in Jesus' name. It's simple. And if a ministry grows out of it, hey, man, that's awesome. But not everything has to be a ministry because you're the ministry. It's just very simple. Just simple songs, simple music, simple Bible studies. There'll be folks that say, you know, Ed, I really can't come back to your church because your Bible studies are just too simple for me. (laughs) To that, I say, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to complicate it for you? Want me to break it all out and make it complicated so you just leave here so confused you have no idea what the Bible means? Is it that in your heart, you know, I wonder, I wonder what is really trying to be, what, what's trying to be communicated. Because to me, I, I don't want you so confused when you leave here that you're marveling at me. You're going, what? Man, that guy, wow, how smart, or whatever it might be. And you're wondering about the Lord. I, I would rather have you just marveling at the Lord. And his goodness in your life. And his great grace. And how he loved you even when you didn't love him. And how whether you go through a season of faithlessness. That God, he's going to remain faithful. I want you and I want us. When we're done worshiping, I want us marveling at God. And then you can wonder about me. How can God use a guy like that? And who is that guy? And what kind of guy is, you know, they just let anybody teach the Bible? Actually, yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. a a serious study through the scriptures of the people that God uses, you'll find out they're people just like you and just like me. Where if I was to continue on in the life that I was living, I wouldn't be alive today because of God's great grace of pulling me out of the gutter, saving my life, filling me with the Holy Spirit, giving a gift to me, a gift, a pastor teacher. That's his, it's his gift to give. And I have the privilege to exercise that gift. Yeah, I'd rather have you as like, man, that's a simple Bible study. I understand it. I know what Paul's into. God's a God of comfort. Just very simple stuff. And then wondering, man, I mean, that guy, they just let anybody teach the Bible. Yeah. That might encourage you. That yeah, if they let anybody teach the Bible, then that means probably God could use you too. And he does. He wants to use you. And so things to me can't be, so, can't be too simple. It's important for us to understand God's heart for us. You know, in the Latin, in the Latin when they spoke of purity and sincerity, it was the word sincera. And literally it meant without wax. The picture behind that was something that was pure and unadulterated and unmixed. And in the ancient times, mistakes were made as pottery was being formed, as a statue was being carved chiseled and moved and sometimes as they were developing the statue and doing the face they would chip off the nose by accident and ruin the whole thing 
And what they would do instead of breaking it up and starting over, they would form a nose with wax and sell it as if it was okay. And then you would take it home and put it out on the back porch and the hot sun would be beating down on your little statue and the nose would be running right down. And you didn't get something that was stamped sincera because it wasn't without wax. It was mixed. It wasn't pure. You were ripped off. Paul's using that picture, the idea of purity and unadulterated. I think the Latin language got it right where we don't want to be ripped off and manipulated, especially with the things of God. Sincere, godly sincerity, purity and simplicity, those go together, lead to a clean conscience. Verse 15 now, And in this confidence I intended to come to you before, that I might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. So verse 15 is one of, the, one of the accusations that came against Paul. He said he was going to go there, and he passed by. He didn't. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's get a little backstory on this so you can understand where Paul's talking about, because there's some context to this. And as you read this, you know, the thing that you get as you're reading through this letter is that it seemed like every single little thing was under scrutiny in Paul's life. Every little thing. I mean, every single, whether, you know, he looked, what, how he looked, how he sounded, what decisions he made, it seemed like every little thing was under scrutiny. Have you ever been that? Under, like, just every little thing? It's like, man, enough already. Like, man, I wanted to go there. I didn't go there. But it's not because I'm a flake. I don't plan these things lightly, you'll see, Paul says in a minute. So here's what, what they're talking. This is what they're referring to. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 5. He told them in this first letter, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I'm passing through Macedonia. That was just a statement. I'm coming by. When I'm heading into Macedonia, then I'm going to stop by and see in Corinth. Paul said he was coming, and he was strongly confident in it. Just like you you say things all the time. I'm I'm going to come by, I'll I'll visit you, and you're really confident. As far as you know, in this moment, you're going to go. You're not messing around. You're not lying. As far as things are, as of this moment, hey, I'll see you in a couple hours. He said, when I go through Macedonia, I'm going to stop. Then he had to change his plans. He changed his plans, and he was going to, now back in chapter 1, verse 15, I intended to come to you before that I might have a second benefit. He changed his plan. He said, no, I think I want to see you first. Then to go from, instead of going to Macedonia, then to Corinth, he says, no, no, I think I need to go to Corinth first and then to Macedonia. And it was a hard trip. It was a hard decision to make because in chapter 2, verse 1, He determined within himself that I might not come again to you in sorrow. So he had so much problems with Corinth and it was so difficult as he's processing and praying through it, he decides, you know, I probably shouldn't come. It's going to be too much, too much confrontation, too much difficulty. And sometime after this first visit, someone hurt Paul really deeply, someone or a group. And you can see in verse 5 of chapter 2, if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you. So something happened here from chapter verse 5 through 10 on a personal level. So Paul decided not to go and he sent Titus instead. That's what they're referring to here. He made a decision, changed his mind, prayed, and said, you know what? I'm not going to go. I'm going to send Titus instead. It's not like he blew him off, but he determined it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be beneficial to go at this time. And looking at this little insight in Paul's life, I want you to know something. I want you to take this in your personal relationship with others. Your personal relationship, perhaps with me as your pastor, or as another spiritual leader, or a friend. As I'm looking at this, and I'm walking you through all the different verses, 
I want you to know that whatever you see, there's always a backstory to it. There's probably more than meets the eye. And just what we see with the eye and conclude or even jump to conclusions is not wise. Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear this study again online at calvaryco.church or through our app, which can be found searching for Calvary Aurora. The message is called Boasting in Simplicity and Godly Sincerity. Pastor Ed, as we close, you touched on something I think we've all been guilty of a time or two, and that is jumping to the wrong conclusions about someone. Maybe it's based on something we read on the internet or heard from another person, but let's say someone comes up to us with an accusation about another person, church, or ministry. How should we handle that sort of thing? Well, Larry, if we can master this, I think that the body of Christ will have a greater light in our community, don't you? I think, I mean, the church will become brighter and more attractive if we will stop biting and devouring one another. So that if someone comes to me with an accusation, first of all, let me let me deal with one against a leader, a church, or a ministry, because the Bible couldn't be clearer. Paul told young Timothy, don't receive an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses. And so I do not accept unsubstantiated accusations. Now, if it is anything, anything related to some kind of crime, then we'll just involve the police. I I don't know whether it's true or not, but if some crime, some serious crime or allegation is, uh, I'm I'm not going to get involved in that. We're going to involve the authorities right away and let them sort it out. But if it's along the lines of somebody did this and somebody did that and did you hear that and, and it isn't anything we need to involve the authorities over, then number one, if it, there's no witnesses, no, um, then I'm just going I'm, I'm going to um, ask for that. You know, are you the only one? Is this? And, and I'm also going to limit what anyone will be able to say to me because the Bible says the first one that pleads this case sounds right until his neighbor comes in and reproves him. And so I'm going to get just enough information to talk to the person that's accused and get their side of the story. And then with both sides of the story, then perhaps the Lord will give wisdom. But I'm I'm not going to let gossip, I'm not going to receive gossip. If somebody comes to us, let's say after a church, after after a service, I've done teaching, somebody comes up and goes, you know, Pastor Ed, uh, XYZ hurt me, and uh, I want you to take care of it. Well, I'm going to say, have you gone to XYZ, you know, XYZ representing someone's name, have you gone to that person and talked to them according to Matthew 18? And if you haven't gone to that person to talk to them, I'm the wrong person to talk to. Uh, you, You are to go to that person, you and him alone, share with him the offense. If he hears you, Jesus said, you've won your brother. And isn't that the point? Gossip and slander and 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 accusations, especially false accusations, uh, or even semi-accurate or half-false or whatever. I mean, half-false is real false, but uh, they're destructive. That does not resolve. Now, I have to caution because sometimes it's actually not an accusation at all. It's fact. And there are times when we need to make sure somebody's safe, somebody's out of harm's way. Maybe it's an abuse allegation. Hey, man, get safe. We'll deal with the abuse situation, the accusation later. But if you are in danger, you do not keep yourself in danger. So there, there's that level of it. But we want to be careful. Our heart is reconciliation. It's not to take sides. It's not to build a case. It's not to destroy a brother. 
It's to be used of God as a tool of reconciliation, where there's real repentance, real reconciliation, and the relationship is restored. That is a great question. And, you know, if you're listening to me, please, please, please don't get involved on the gossip train. Just jump off right now. And it takes two people to gossip, and you're just as guilty. The person sharing it, obviously, that's gossip. But you're just as guilty if you listen to gossip and you have those tasty trifles and you want them. Don't do it. Let's stop this and let's walk in the Spirit, loving one another, and through that, the cleanliness of our relationship with one another, not talking about each other, not talking behind their backs, but rather loving one another and the agape love of Jesus will be a great light to a lost and dying world. That's what the world does. It's not God's heart for His church. Great advice there, Pastor Ed. Thank you again. We have an excellent resource we'd like to get into your hands called The Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling. We all face problems, big and small, and the Bible has the answers. But where do we find them? That's where this quick scripture reference can come in handy as it covers a wide range of subjects many deal with. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.